the vibe, the situation. I mean, very good. Very good. The left exists once more, you know, in a parliamentary sense. Mm. But it's a double-edged sword. There's also an enormous group of fascists in parliament now. <laughs> and Macron is still governing. More and Macron is still governing. <laughs> Obviously, but he's, under more difficult But times. he's been hobbled. Yeah. And he probably can't, you know, he can't smash through his programme as he clearly was mm. intending to. Mm. I guess maybe to yield to Jean-Luc Mélenchon's appraisal of the results. Um, I was at the uh, the NUP, so I guess there's this new left-wing alliance which you guys have probably heard of, the Nouvelle Union Populaire Écologique et Sociale. I think we mentioned in our In episode, the last episode. Yeah, yeah. They call um, them, we call them NUPs. The NUPs, yeah, or the NUPES. <laughs> it's actually the, the, the French Academy, the Académie Française, actually. I was tranché on the issue. formal <laughs> intervention <laughs> as the proper the most French thing ever. What's it's a NUP. Noop. Not yeah, noopest. obviously. Yeah. Ob- I said that from the beginning. That's how you spell the sound noop in French. Anyway. <laughs> but actually, so on Sunday, I guess, last sun- or on, on June 19th, there was the, uh, I guess the French parliamentary elections. Uh, we'll, I guess, get into the results. And Mitigated. Sort of shortly, shortly. Shortly. But uh, Mélenchon sort of gave this kind of... He obviously gave the speech in the room with all the activists and the party officials and the journalists. And then shortly afterwards, he went outside of, I guess, the concert hall um, to sort of, you know, speak to his adoring fans. Um, And it was sort of a farewell speech because Mélenchon did not run again. Um, He's sort of kind of going to take on a sort of elder statesman role. Kind of above the the fray role. Um, And in his sort of a very quick speech. But uh, so this is Mélenchon's take. So we beat him. He has no majority, and since he has no principles, he's already started belly dancing in front of anyone who wants to help him govern. You will see that he will end up polishing Madame Le Pen's shoes. So this was, I guess, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, sort of the leading left-wing figure in France. Largely responsible yeah. for this, this you know, relative but important success yeah. of, of the left in these parliamentary elections. Sure. Uh, Mélenchon, who I guess ran through the parliamentary elections, basically on a ticket or selling himself as the would-be prime minister. This was the comm strategy. Yeah. The comm strategy of La France Insoumise to, to sort of mobilise people for legislative elections, which usually historically have a very low rate, uh, high rate of abstention, yeah. because people sort of don't really understand what's at play mm. in these elections. And, and we'll so, talk a bit more historically about the origins of Absolutely. This. And, uh, and, and what Mélenchon did, which was frankly, you know, a, a real, you know, bit of comms genius, which was to sort of re to articulate the sort of what's at stake in these elections to make it seem sort of worthwhile to people to go vote, that things could change on the basis of this election by saying if we get a majority, the noop, if we get a majority, we can govern, yep. you know, we can govern, we w- Mélenchon would be prime minister. And we will govern, mm. and we will be able to put through, you know, minimum wage increases, mm. uh, and so on and so on, mm. or you know, mm. uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, retirement age at mm. sixty. Mm. And this sort of did mobilise you, and, and you know, to you know, I, firstly, you know, Mélenchon is an incredibly talented politician and strategist, but you know, also just in the numbers, you know, abstention was lower this time than last time. You know, yeah. not hugely, you know, by like three percentage. So points. in twenty seventeen, fifty seven percent of voters abstained from mm-hmm. voting in the parliamentary elections. And this is, so these were the elections right after Macron was yeah. first elected. Uh, and this year fifty four percent abstained. So yeah, three percent. So it worked somewhat and, and me, I mean me and Harrison were just talking about it now, which is that, you know, if if all the people that vote for Mélenchon in the presidential elections yeah. Um, had voted for him in the in the in the legislative elections. Th- there would be a much larger group of yeah. parliamentarians, of new parliamentarians sent to parliament. Uh, but there is this problem with abstention, mm. yeah, largely among young people. Mm-hmm. But that's something that they have been working on and can continue to work on as a sort of political force. Mm-hmm. So you know, but um, the, it's. If there was one success, I mean, the, these pre- the legislative elections since basically a reform in two thousand in the early two thousands, essentially, what the French say inverted the legislative calendar or the electoral calendar such that basically the parliamentary elections always and exclusively now following uh, follow the presidential elections, yeah. which basically meant 
you have a. It's meant a to reinforce the majority yeah. of of the of the presidential party, which is elected basically on the coattails of the president, yeah. and it it's, uh, has become, I guess, a, a quite sort of quiet and affair, not exciting yeah. affair. These parliamentary elections. And Mélenchon yeah. was Kate was able to turn it into a sort of referendum on Macron's election as president in a right, sense right, you know right. a referendum on his project yeah. you know and obviously this is the big takeaway from this that is hard to dispute is that Macron's project does not have a majority mm, mm. in parliament mm. you know it's the factual mm. sort of statement mm. which demonstrates a political reality which is that he can't carry on doing what he's you know been mm. doing uh, and we'll get on we'll get on to all of this we should we'll get on to we'll introduce the episode properly um, yeah i, I guess sure it's sort of to end the electoral cycle i guess we wanted to talk yeah. basically about the french political system as it is sort of constitutionally in its institutions and most specifically in relations between sort of parliament and legislature and, and the executive which in i guess the current french fifth republic the slogan is, and sort of the characterization, the sort of elevator picture about the Fifth Republic is that it is entirely tipped in favor of the executive. Yeah. Uh, and therefore very stable. Very and stable. Amazing. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> and infallible. Right. It responds to sort of the need to basically contain a sort of parliamentary yeah. instability. You know, that's what the Italians had, that's yeah. what the French used to have. Yeah, yeah. And the French Fifth Republic is about ensuring that sort of the technocrats, the experts, and mm-hmm. the sort of visionary leaders are able to govern. govern. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, like Harrison said, we, the whole elect, you know, we started this podcast about a year ago and the whole idea was to do some things in relation to the election campaign and the coming upcoming elections. And now we're sort of free yeah. from that. And we sort of wanted to start, like, like Harrison said, this series or like a series of episodes on the French Fifth Republic yeah. um, and its institutions and, and, and its history, yeah. it, its creation, really. But this episode, we want to focus uh, particularly on the what kind of Hmm. What kind of new perspective on the French Fifth Republic can recent events give, mm. i.e. the results of the legislative elections? Mm. Because there's something, you know, another important thing about these legislative elections is that they are a first in the history of the Fifth Republic in that a incumbent president has never not had a majority in Parliament. Mm. Uh, so the second mandate of a president has always had a majority in Parliament. Uh, and this isn't the case. And so for this episode, uh, well, for this episode and the next one, the way we saw it is that this one would be a bit more about the results of the legislative elections, a bit more from that perspective with some historical tidbits in there. Uh, And then the next episode would be a lot more axed on the historical side. We talk more about the creation of the Fifth Republic Mm. uh, in 58 and, well, in between 58 and 62. And uh, so for these two episodes, we read... um, the first is a, a pamphlet, a sort of, well, I mean, it's technically a pamphlet. It's like 250 pages long by François. Very Mitt- dense. Yeah, yeah, I know, like dense with references to like various French political figures <laughs> yeah. and kings and fucking, well, anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's a pamphlet by François Mitterrand, who was the first socialist uh, president of France, who was elected in 1981. But he wrote this pamphlet. Of the Fifth Republic. He voted. He wrote this pamphlet in 1962 or 61. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember <clears throat> the exact date. That's bad. Anyway, uh, I think it's 62 mm. um, because he mentions, at the end, he mentions Kennedy. He starts the conclusion with this whole thing about Kennedy's assassination. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Um, and it was basically him. And, and this pamphlet is called The Coup d'État Permanent, The Permanent Coup d'État. And it's his sort of like jacuz against... The Fifth Republic. This this Fifth Republic is a permanent coup d'état. Where the president is constantly able to kind of circumvent Parliament through these various mechanisms, and all the powers concentrated at the top, and mm-hmm. it's totally anti-republican, and so on and mm-hmm. so on. And so we read this historical text. It was quite fun. It gave us an insight into the state of mind of these sort of centre-left figures at the time. Mm-hmm. And we also read this incredible book uh, called. The Civil War in France, 1958 to 1962. By an American historian named Gray Anderson. And I, if I'm, I, I haven't checked or confirmed this, but I remember seeing on Twitter a few months ago that there was a forthcoming 
English version. Verso English translation. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, because, uh, so the version we have is in French. Yeah, it came um, out, I think, I think it came out in 2018. Yeah, 20, um, 2018. 2018, and so I guess we'll maybe discuss this later. 2018, everyone looked at it as, oh, the anniversary of 1968. Yeah. And yeah. his sort of case, and maybe to give you guys a bit of sort of foreshadowing, his argument was that really to make sense of contemporary French politics, 68, we need to sort of relativize, I guess, the cultural and political clout of that. We really need to understand and make sense of the legacy of 58. the Gaullist coup d'etat in yeah. 1958. So yeah. this right-wing, yeah. what he characterizes more or less as a conservative constitutional revolution, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, we're going to basically be talking yeah, about the French constitutional system, executive power versus parliamentary power, um, and I guess more or less, yeah, this, this sort of tension in French political life between forces for a sort of revitalized parliamentary republicanism yeah. and sort of the Bonapartist executive yeah. sort of yeah. dizio yeah, of yeah. the French ruling class. Yeah, yeah. The takeaway from these legislative elections is France is being re-parliamentarized yeah. against Macron's desire. Yeah. And so I guess first we'll just we'll start by explaining the results sure, somewhat. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. Um you know, for for those not necessarily familiar. So what's happened is in the last parliament, <clears throat> Macron had an absolute majority. The rest of Parliament was largely populated by the right and the left in its totality. So PS, France Insoumise, um, you know, whatever other diverse lefts, you know, one, two, three, four, five seats they had, yeah. had about a total of about 65 MPs together in the last Parliament. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, me and Har when me and Harrison started this podcast, from the beginning, we wanted to look at the right because the right was in its ascendancy. It was clear there was this ascendancy of the right And, you know, its talking points were all over the place. The far right, you know, had never been more influential, you know, and so on and so on. So what we were expecting was a sort of blowout kind of of the right. And this, to and what everyone was expecting, really, ultimately. And this totally unexpected thing happened, which is Mélenchon gets an overwhelming majority of the left-wing votes in the presidential election. And then after the presidential election, he's able to impose... A, 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 unit, a unitary line, a kind of uh, mm. let's unify mm. for these next elections. Right. And because there was the convergence of the electoral interests of all these parties, so the Greens, the PS, the Communists and La France Insoumise, electoral interests all converged. They realized if we don't get together, none of us is going to get any seats or very few. So there's a, there, were, there was just pure and simple electoral interest mm. here. And there is ultimately the sort of Um, consequences of a long-term strategic reflection on the part of Mélenchon and La France Insoumise, and it's all—it all happened within the space of weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. Just—it just emerged, and then there was the uh, um, parliamentary elections and the NUP, uh, which is, as Harrison's explained, New Ecological and Social Popular Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the English translation. The so the NUPs now have, I guess, hundred, the Le Monde oh. count, and there are a few sort of technicalities. Noops has 142 seats. Uh, Ensemble, which is, I guess, the newly baptized form or sort of coalition of the Macronists, so together is their so name, yeah. uh, has 246 seats. 43 offer majority. Yeah, you need 289 seats for an absolute majority, which is what Macron had for the yeah. last five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between yeah, Modem 308, and Agile and En Marche, he had over 300 for much of it. and. And sort of withered down over the years, but always had an absolute majority. And so the first take, I think, at this point is that uh, Macron has suffered quite a bad defeat. Yeah. yeah um, and so Mélenchon is absolutely right to point that out. Like, yeah. this is the big take. Yeah. These 140 deputies, sure, there are communists and Greens, Greens and, socialists and socialists and whatnot. But more or less, they have agreed on, I guess, the Mélenchonist line, whether yeah. it's... So the, the term need to yeah. disobey from European sort of austerity rules, yeah. uh, but the terms, major reevaluation of the minimum wage. The terms of their union are is the program, is yeah. is basically uh, Mélenchon's program, which they agree for the most part for almost all of the propositions in there. Yeah, and you know I think that what's important to also emphasize is that unlike most of the big tent left wing coalitions uh, that have emerged in the history of France. This one, for the first time in history, its center of gravity is in its left, not in its 
more moderate end. Sure. It's in its more left-wing yeah. end. So the Socialist Party basically had to... It was a renunciation on yeah. on the yeah. on the legacy of the yeah. Socialist Party. Yeah. Of well, on the, the legacy years, of Hollande, yeah, they had to. Because that was one of the most satisfying things is seeing Olivier Faure go, who is the general secretary of the Socialist Party, going on to doing the media rounds and ultimately liquidating the Hollande presidency. It'd be like seeing, you know, Biden liquidating Obama. Yeah, or you know, Keir Starmer liquidating Tony Blair, which. Yeah, yeah see they're both doing the opposite yeah <laughs> and what you're seeing now is because of the relations of power that have been imposed on the political field by Mélenchon's strategy and also the sort of ultimately the, the sort of ineptitude of the PS yeah. as well um has meant that uh, the opposite is happening in France mm, mm, mm. um and <coughs> so, so the, I think that's a very significant now on to the next round yeah, of takes I guess the good news is the largest, more or less, opposition force in Parliament is the left-wing alliance. Yes, yeah. numerically. And numerically, yeah. For yeah. a number of details, that strength is going to be a bit diluted, and yeah. we'll get to that. Because, I guess, probably the biggest surprise yeah. of, yeah, the, biggest surprise of the legislative elections is the national rally, the far-right Le Penis force. Mm-hmm. Basically, their enormous surge. They went from, I think it was like eight deputies in 2017 yep. to now 89. I mean, they've more than times that by, times that by 11 plus Yeah, one, more or less, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I mean, like there, there has never been more... A comparable surge. A comparable amount of national front or national rally, as they call themselves now, MPs. The largest amount they had was, was it 31? In the yeah, 80s, th- in, I think it was 1986, yeah. they got 31, and that was Le Pen's sort of big yeah, percé, yeah. uh, Daddy Le Pen. Yeah. Even sort of adding even more to the shock is that the the national rally of Le Pen, they, they had basically, I mean, abandoned hope for this election. They barely ran a campaign. Mm. Uh, Marine Le Pen was kind of absent from the electoral cycle. Um, and really, the legislative campaign, obviously, there were a few affairs involving government ministers. There were, uh, it was, I guess, the Stade de France, the oh, yeah. Champions League <laughs> final, and sort of yeah. a new policing debate. Yeah. But more or less, the legislative campaign was dominated by the Noops and the news of the Noops Alliance. Macron also yeah. led a they very dominated sort of the media cycle, you're right. campaign. So basically, the, 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 the national rally's goal was just to get enough for a group. So basically, 15 deputies to form what is called a parliamentary group which accords a bunch of privileges as far as sort of protocol advantages, funding, yeah. um, the amount of sort of parliamentary aids that you can have. Mm. Um, so this, I guess, is, I mean, this has sort of been one of the main stories of the last week is just the, the far right's surge. And this is more or less Macron's fault. But, right? If we to talk about the campaign, of course. there was a complete refusal on the part of people in the government to make any distinction between the national the rally and the national yeah. rally. It didn't work so well in that rhetoric, rhetorically it didn't work that well. And one of the reasons that it didn't work that well was because in the noop is the PS. The PS is, was one of the establishment parties, the parties of government of the Fifth Republic. Mm. You know, and up until recently, you know, five years ago, six years ago, was... I mean, six years ago, it was in, in power, mm. you know, and so it, you know, it's it's harder for them to make, you know, because, uh, you know, what she called Montchalin, one of the ministers who lost. And so this was another very satisfying thing about this election, which, yeah. you know, we should dwell on sure, momentarily sure. For, for the viewers, for the viewers, <laughs> for the listeners, which is that incredibly satisfying just seeing all these really hated Macronist ministers and MPs lose their seats to left-wingers yeah, i mean yeah, it was yeah. it was very satisfying yeah. and like Montchalin, i can't remember what she's minister of she um, i guess she was minister of the of civil service oh uh, yeah term. well and she spent her she whole supposed to be the ecological yeah the leader of sort of the ecological but she spent her ministry. whole campaign you know claiming that like i mean this is the line of the government noop equals anarchy and disorder and anti-france is and as da, much da, da. of a threat to france as yeah. the far right yeah, yeah yeah elizabeth bond the prime minister macron's new prime minister she only it won she, she won by like 0.2 or against like a 20 some like young 20 something yeah 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 this is the prime minister of macron this is prime the minister. prime minister yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, I guess one of the maybe oh, yeah. one other bit about to the election results, and this is maybe going to lead into what we're yep. going to then discuss next, 
are, I guess, the center-right success. So Macron is obviously more or less already center-right, mm-hmm. but the, the actually self-identified center-right force in France, Les Républicains, um, they also exceed the expectations of 64 mm. votes. And basically, they are in an extremely powerful, powerful position because... They are they the are, power brokers. They are more or less, yeah, the kingmakers. I mean, the, they've, the, they've ruled out any sort of governing pact yeah. with the Macronists. And basically, I mean, this last week has been kind of a flurry of speculation and meetings between all the political forces yeah. and the Macronists. Yeah. Sort of being like, who would vote on what? Who would yeah. be interested in national unity government? Yeah. Who would yeah, be interested yeah, yeah. in a governing pact? Although apparently he offered national un- unity government uh, made the national unity government proposition to everyone, yeah. including Marine Le Pen, except for the Francois Soumise representative, which is Adrien Quatennens. Yeah. Um, and so this whole, you know, basically in France, there's this that we spoke about before. There's this thing called the Front Républicain, the Republican Front, which is this idea that everyone gets behind whoever can block the far right and the priorities to keep the far right out. Now that's completely gone out the window, and we'll explain. In a, in a shortly why it's reached a sort of new stage of going mm. out the window. But it's been going out the window for quite some time now. But it was a good way to browbeat the left mm. into getting behind Macron. And now that it it's actually down to Macron, well, I mean, it always was, but now it's down to Macron to make the choice of a Front Républicain or not, mm. you know, it's, it's being sort of dumbed down, mm. you know, forget about that, mm. like blah, 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 national unity. So basically it seems like what the, at least... Macron gave a speech last night uh, sort of about the legislative elections and I guess what's next for the government and basically yeah, national unity government has ruled out and it seems more or less like what is going to I guess the governing strategy at least for now because again no one wants a dissolution the macro or if a dissolution seems possible at some point because Macron doesn't have an absolute majority it's no one wants it now, or at least everyone, all the forces basically don't want to be accused of being the reason for it. Yeah. Um, so it seems at least what the, the strategy that the Macronists are going to go on now is sort of a vote by vote kind of basis. So basically what this means for the big sort of legislative initiatives for the second term, um, if it's on sort of retirement reform. So one of Macron's big propositions is an increase to at least 64 or even 65 years of France's retirement age. One can imagine him relying on center-right mm. LR votes for that. Cool. For his sort of ecological window dressing, he is probably going to try to pick deputies Chip people off. from the left. Yeah. At least that will probably be his initial sort of yeah. strategy. Well, his, his, his main strategy, I mean, so firstly... His strategy, well, it's not even necessarily going to be a strategy. He has no choice. He will go more right-wing. Um, which is a sort of the general take from these parliamentary elections is that now for sure Mac- Mac- Macron will go more right wing. He doesn't really have a choice. If ever he wasn't, you know, gonna be more left wing this mandate, which obviously I never thought that he would. Now that's obviously just completely over. He has no choice to go uh, right wing. And on the other hand, he wants to split the noob. He wants mm. to find ways to split the noob, and he's going <coughs> to use his sort of position to try and polarise politics around things that will put pressure on the mm. noob. Mm. And like you say, and I agree with this, I think it'll be harder than he thinks yeah. to split them. Sort of one example of how Macron is more or less going to be drifting to the right to this pressure up. So we discussed the Republicans' position as sort of kingmakers or yeah. as sort of the reservoir of votes and seats that he needs to pass legislation. Um, Beyond that, Macron, I guess some early signs of this is one debate which has been over this last week is over, I guess, and this gets into some of the gritty details of the National Assembly, uh, is, I guess, some protocol advantages that go to opposition parties. And the most important of these are, is, uh, I guess, the, the presidency of the Finance Commission, uh, so the Finance Committee in the Parliament goes and this is stipulated in the constitution it doesn't say how yeah, the yeah. parliament how the <coughs> the president the committee president is selected <coughs> but it says it goes to the largest party actually it says it goes to the opposition okay. it goes to an opposition party okay. uh, over the years it has obviously naturally gone to the largest opposition force mm-hmm. um, but basically because the the the, the noops alliance 
is a programmatic alliance and a programmatic agreement. It's an electoral alliance, mm. but it's not a formal sealing in Parliament. of the parliamentary caucuses, yeah. which are going to maintain their autonomy. Mélenchon on Tuesday yeah. was like, we need to create a single parliamentary group. They didn't All the it. other forces said no. Yeah. Um, and so basically this means that the far-right national rally, they have more seats than France Insoumise, who yeah, are so nonetheless the largest they have 75 left-wing group, 75, yeah. but 89 for RN more or less makes them the largest opposition group. The largest formal caucus, opposition. Yeah, yeah caucus. Um, and I suppose also um, there's another point to be made is that the way that ultimately it's decided who gets uh, la commission des finances, the, com- the finance commission, is by a parliamentary vote. Yeah. And so what this shows, and uh, you know, what this shows is that the, parliament- the parliamentarians are against it being noop, basically. All the parliamentarians that are not noop are against it being them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you, we were discussing earlier, that the, um, the, uh, <clears throat> the majority, sorry, the presidential party can sort of retract itself from this vote mm. on who gets the finance commission. Traditionally they do, yeah, yeah. and they leave it to a vote among the, the other among opposition, the opposition parties and whoever can take the largest vote uh, will get it and uh, although it should be the nuke because the right uh, together all the rights together so the center right the rn and all the like weird diverse rights have more slightly more maybe about 10 more seats than the nuke and all the diverse lefts together they can take it. Mm. But mm. What, what's sort of being left unsaid in this formal situation, which is being decided by the parliamentarians, and it's all procedure, is that Macron is essentially giving assent to yeah. the idea that the RN uh, are now sort of going to be holding this like crucial institution, legitimising them. Uh, and, you know, he is both giving his assent to this happening because he sees the noop as a bigger threat. He would rather have the FDRN in opposition as the opposition but also because it saves him having to take a position publicly on whether noop or rn Mm, mm. uh, because he wants to maintain this equidistance Mm, you know that's mm. what he wants to maintain despite privileging the rn in this situation quite clearly there's nothing formal has actually happened and he hasn't taken any public positions so Mm. we can we'll probably continue seeing this kind of non-position taking which benefits the FN, uh, the RN on Macron's behalf, I think, sure. quite yeah. a bit. I think what I read of his meeting with Marine Le Pen on Wednesday or on Tuesday, yeah. he assured her that they would have the group. They would have it. Gerard Lachelle, who's the president of the Senate, so the upper house of parliament, mm. um, and is, I guess, which is under centre-right control, mm. he also said, he sort of made a declaration, I think he was interviewed by the Figaro and said, the national rally should control the finance committee in the Senate. So again, just there, there is this between Macron, the center right, and obviously the far right. There is this eagerness to have the RN sort of credibilize yeah. and give sort of an institutional cushion and legitimacy to Le Pen and the far right. Uh, there's this excellent quote in in Le Monde from today um, with, I guess this is Stanislas Guérini, who's the one of the, another one of these old Macronist veterans, one of the mm. early... I mean, he's quite young himself, Macron, but yeah. he's a Macronist veteran. <clears throat> yeah, and he's, I guess he has a ministerial position, but he's also a deputy in Parliament. And his, this is sort of his discussion of the Macronist strategy. And I'm sort of translating on the spot, so it might be a bit awkward. <laughs> um, we must sort of create order in a context of disorder. En somme, so basically... In summary. In summary, being anti-Nupes. Yeah. So basically, the threats from the Macronists yeah. are in agreement with the far right and the center right. The primary threat is to sort of French political stability yeah. is the Nupes. Yeah. And I guess maybe to sort of switch... So basically, we're just, to, just, to, just to kind of give a... crystallize all of that, the Nupes... It would seem they're they're attempting to sort of ghettoize the noob in yeah. Parliament, yeah. Uh, essentially, and then maybe chip some some things off it. Yeah, that's sort of probably generally what 
Macron is is looking to do. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, to discuss this question of sort of the institutions and... Well, yeah, I mean, so what's interesting uh, about this sort of situation with the parliamentary elections, um, with the legislative elections, is that it it kind of, uh, how how do you say, it brings maybe into question some of the claims made about the Fifth Republic, to a certain extent. Like, you know... If this can happen, you know, how, inverted commas, stable are the institutions of the Fifth Republic, you know? I mean, what what we should explain is that the Fifth Republic was created, um, you know, in a context of, you know, quasi-civil war, uh, the war in Algeria was going on, or, uh, you know, lots of various attempts, uh, you know, military, attempts at military coup d'etat and sort of uprising in the colonies uh, took place. And the person who created the Fifth Republic, de Gaulle, sort of created it for himself, really. He created it for himself to be able to do shit and to not have to listen to Parliament, right? Because Parliament for him was disorder and, you know, indecision and so on and so Mm. on. And since then, it's more or less functioned in that way, in the way that it was conceived, Mm. right? Where you have a president who picks his prime minister... And if he has a major- if the president has a majority, I mean, the prime minister basically doesn't exist. You know, mm. the prime minister is just a conduit for the president's wishes, although formally they're separate. Uh, uh, it's funny, I mean, the prime minister got all, gets all the shit sometimes. Yeah, well, Macron <laughs> just sends them out to do all the shit stuff. And then Macron comes along and be like, oh, it's okay, I'm here, I'll, like, save you or whatever. And, like, the prime minister's just announced that, like... Every firstborn son in France is going to be killed or something. <laughs> I mean, yesterday after his speech, I mean, or Macron is now going on a, a week long trip right now. Mm-hmm. So he has some summits in Brussels and I think he has yeah. some other. Sort of That's also meetings. the prerogative of the presidential office, in particular in the Fifth Republic, is that all the military power and foreign policy shit basically it's concentrated in the presidential office exclusively. exclusively. Yeah, yeah. And so Macron, I mean, that's what he did during the campaign. He thought, I'm going to do my like de Gaulle thing. Yeah president thing where i'm going to go around the world and be like hi i'm france incarnate yeah. like i'm here to like be like france in the world and look at me and aren't i so presidential and and you know that's what presidents do in france mm. you know and like you know in the coup d'état permanent you know that's what mitterrand goes on these massive rants about like and when all this shit was going on in france de gaulle just like goes away to germany <laughs> and pretends to be the personification of france in front of like cameras and then goes to america and does the same and like blah 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 and like that is sort of one of the weapons of the president is to be like i'm above the fray sure. in many ways um and it's becoming basically the, the reparliamentarization is going to make that very difficult because mm. Macron has a party in mm. Parliament. You know, he his party will be carrying his propositions. You know, and so it'd be hard for him to maintain this claim to being above the fray, especially because Parliament's going to be so heated. I mean, on one hand, on the one hand, you have you know one hundred and forty solid. I mean, you've got more, more in total, but probably about, you know, anywhere in between 100 and 140 solidly quite radical MPs at the end of the day. On the left. On the left, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you, know, you, you know, this is a, this is a genuinely new development. It's going to be hard. You know, the Assemblée is going to be hard. How do you say? It's going to be, it's going to be lively. For the next five years, you know, on the one hand, you have these noop radicals, the left radicals, and on the other hand, you have almost a hundred far right MPs mm. with the centre right, which is at the end of the day, the centre right has radicalised quite a lot over the past few years. On the one hand, because they're losing votes to the RN, and then on the other hand, because Eric Zemmour came along and was stealing their voters, but on a sort of very racist, proto-fascist kind of line. And so they're stuck in this position where they are power brokers for Macron, and they have a lot of power because they can decide whether to help him or not. But by helping Macron, they probably fear alienating voters that are closer to the RN or to the Zemmour line that might be their natural voters. Yeah, so um, I guess maybe return to sort of the historical yeah, sorry, kind of question. Um, I guess, yeah, so Fourth Republic versus Fifth Republic. Yeah. Uh, the sort of slogan, and this is, you've seen this quote or this sort of this, this nickname has been brandished about in a lot of the press mm-hmm. these last few days since the election. So the regime of parties, the regime of parties. Yeah. This is the sort of character, the sort of 
popular characterization of the Fourth Republic. I mean, if you read Inger Anderson's book and yeah. Mitterrand's discussion of it as well, yeah. I mean, it's it was for all intents and purposes a governing system which was unable to handle the collapse of the French sort of empire. Empire. Yeah, uh, it, it was dysfunctional. It's because so sort of very brief history lesson. The Third Republic ended with the invasion of France by the Germans, and when they sort of after the liberation, they try and re- they try to reinstate something less. very similar to yeah. it, which is a republican regime uh, with you know all the powers in the parliament, and laws get passed according to sort of various coalition building, mm. you know, and. Uh, it, it, you know, it couldn't withstand the Algerian war and the, the, the decomposition of the French Empire. And, you know, I mean, we'll get into the details of this because some really exciting shit happened at that, mm. at that, mm. in that period. But under the pressure of all this, these well, internal military threats, right, basically, it took de Gaulle uh, completely restructuring the French constitution to create the Fifth Republic, in which... Uh, he was able to take control of the situation. I mean, this is the generous interpretation in which he was able to take control of the situation and stop, you know, the rise of a sort of far-right military, internal military threat, to sort of, like, nip it in the bud, as it were. He basically, and also continue excluding the left from power, which he wants to do. He basically come, came into power on the backs of a right-wing military coup. Attempt grounded to, right? in yeah. Algeria, which which was basically which, which did, was, was an open revolt in, uh, and was France. in Algeria. It for was a France. number of weeks. Yeah, in then. May to okay. yeah May, nineteen fifty eight. For a number of weeks, there were I guess local political committees, committees of public safety yeah. that sort were, of a French were, Revolution term. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. to Robespierre and yeah. whatnot. Um, um, set up by. A network, sort of a dark Retired network. Retired generals and serving generals. Old sort of Vichy nostalgics, yeah. far right people, Gaullists, yeah. Yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, specific yeah. friends of Charles de Gaulle. And so yeah. he very sort of carefully kind of, or very strategically kind yeah. of, came, sort of emerged from sort of his political retirement mm-hmm. in this role as someone who could sort of calm the, the right. The right and save the Republic from the right. Yeah. So it was very sort of... And it's, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, de Gaulle... But it was a kid. I mean, he, it, and it, it, it seems was, like it from all the archives that Anderson... Brings out. Brings out to light, he was willing to have it go to parachuters landing in Paris and arresting yeah. the National Assembly and the yeah, government yeah, and yeah, proclaiming yeah. de Gaulle. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was 58. Yeah. And then it goes to 62, where... De Gaulle ha- now has taken power off the back of this threat, this military th- internal military threat, which he sort of abated and sort of encouraged mm. because he was for keeping Algeria French. Or as... at least giving the impression that it could yeah, be done. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was sort of publicly on their side. Right, right. And that's why 58 worked so well. And then when 62 came, and obviously quite a lot happens in between, he is... Uh, there's a sort of another attempted coup um and it fails and all the you know some of the generals go into hiding and you know uh, some of them go to spain you know they had a base of operations in spain you know franco spain and some of them are tried in court and in any case this is the big sort of de gaulle vault with the right where and that's you know why the tradition of the fn and jean-marie le pen emerged so in such hatred of de gaulle because they that he felt that he'd betrayed them yeah. and betrayed France and French Algeria and all and the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's I I and, and, but to just to end like so much of like reading these two books, so much of what's going on in France today is so encapsulated in that period, and you can just see all the all the threads coming out of that period, and you know reaching all the way to now, and that even loads of the rhetoric is very similar. Um, but I suppose to get back to the point of the institutions, uh, it was in this context which led de Gaulle to creating to creating a, a system which was so top heavy mm. in terms of power. And what we've seen is that that top heaviness has maintained itself for about sixty years. There's been certain cohabitations, so that's when uh, the president, the opposition party, gets a majority 
and the president's held uh, the presidency is held by a different party than has the majority in parliament and so there's a cohabitation of two parties one of them has the premiership and one of them has the presidency and that's happened before uh, a couple of times i think a few times mm. um but in the 70s and the 80s and 90s yeah i know yeah. it became uh, sort of a, a normal it became a relatively normal thing to happen in the first mandate of a president and mm. so this what this has happened is this is this is destabilized this reparliamentarization is destabilizing because uh, it's been a while since, well, firstly, cohabitations, there is a majority. The prime minister's party has a majority when there's a cohabitation. Mm. You know, this is a lot messier because no one really has a majority. Yeah, I mean, this... So there's going to be a lot more wrangling, a lot more sure, parliamentarism. Yeah. I mean, uh, we shouldn't necessarily get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, the, the Mac Macron still has a number of gifts from the Gaulle from 58 that mm. really sort of yeah. put him in a good position. And most famous among them are sort of the Calvin of Trois. Yeah. So this is Article 49, yeah. Section 3 of the French Constitution. Yeah. Sort of infamous yeah. elements of the Gaullist Constitution and extremely expressive of the president's sort of hyper power in it. The government can essentially decree a law um, that will be essentially become law and become policy yeah. mm -hmm. and the only way for it to be sort of cancelled or declared null and void mm -hmm. is if parliament votes a vote of no confidence yeah so basically this is this is it's a way of stronger it's a way of getting it's a way of putting through a lot of power in one single parliamentary vote yeah. so if you can gather the numbers for one parliamentary vote that will allow you to do to invoke the 49.3 yeah. then you will be able to push through laws without consulting parliament for a certain period that's determined uh, by the law which i by by <clears throat> by the article which i don't know the exact sort of dimensions of and i suppose the point being that so there are lots of these mechanisms that macron can still use and but just to show the contrast you know in the last mandate in macron's last mandate he had a, an absolute majority. And so most of the regressive laws that he passed were passed by ordonnance, which is another mechanism yeah. of being able to push through laws without parliamentary consultation. It's, and I mean, so, it's a bit different. The ordonnances, it's the parliament yielding to the yeah. executive, yeah. the initiative for making yeah. the law. And this is how most actually, sort of overwhelming majority of at least sort of big ticket reforms are passed by, by, mm. by ordonnance. Mm. Uh, yes. If yeah. you resort to the 49 3 it will be editorialized as a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe before we, I guess, sign off, I think, um, one, just maybe this is, I guess, a bit more historical kind of context stuff as far as the changes since 58. And we're going to, again, next episode, sort of spend a bit more time discussing sort of the actual origins of the public. But as far as changes since 58 that have reinforced the presidency even further relative to the origin of the Constitution yeah. um, is, I guess, in the early 60s, De Gaulle essentially ordered an illegal referendum, or there's some yeah. legal speculation, but most jurists and constitutional experts say this referendum was, was unconstitutional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he basically forced a constitutional reform by popular referendum yeah. to essentially elect the president, the chief of state, or whatever, yeah. as, universal through suffrage. universal suffrage, which again, well, it's what gave, it's what gave legitimacy to that right. office right. Uh, in the Fifth yeah. Republic. And I think, so... There's something I'd like to sort of end on a speculative note, but firstly, you know, there will be a contrast in between the last mandate and this mandate. The last mandate was very classic Fifth Republic pushing, you know, the president gets to basically do whatever the fuck they want. Um, the last, and even more yeah, so, it was actually. the Gaullist fantasy. Yeah, it was the Gaullist fantasy because on top of that, you don't even have a party with any real traditions or yeah. internal orientations or currents. Literally because everyone's, just yes votes. Everyone's runs. just there because they want a bit of your pie, yeah. do you know what I mean? And so they'll do whatever you want. You know, this, this sort of hollow party, a hollow majority, where the president just does whatever, whatever he wants. Gaullist wet dream. And this time, it's going to be a lot messier. And there are mechanisms in the Fifth Republic which Macron may resort to at certain points. But it's going to... Whereas power in the last mandate was very concentrated in the presidential office, this time it will be parliament which ends up deciding what happens mm -hmm. and that's a genuinely new development not only in terms of macron's sort of ma uh, uh, i don't know rule 
but also historically. Mm. Um, and yeah. finally, what I'd like to speculate about is, so there are all these mechanisms in the Fifth Republic that the president can use to strengthen their position, basically. And one of them, which the Gaulle was, of course, very uh, fond of, and Macron hasn't really tapped into, is the plebiscitary prerogative of, of, of the president. And so what, for example, me and Harrison were really worried about in terms of the RN becoming... Uh, in terms of Le Pen becoming president or, or Zemmour becoming president, is that they would have very liberally used this plebiscitary prerogative to polarise France around really awful things, you know, um, and to kind of uh, circumvent Parliament. You know, these plebiscitary measures are often, they, they, how do you say, they're inscribed in a tradition of anti-parliamentarism, what we call in France bonapartism. Um, and what would be interesting is to what extent Macron might resort to this uh, mechanism over the next five years as a way of circumventing Parliament. You know, because right now he he, he probably feels okay. He's like, okay, I can work with LR, and at the end of the day, the FN are going to work with me because they want meet. They want to be legitimized by the fact of working with me. Um, but there are going to be points of uh, there are going to be moments of tension and, and of disagreement and of like uh, you know rupture in between those different forces which can help macron be able to govern and i think that it's at those points that macron's gonna you know might resort to things that we haven't seen him see seen him do yet you know use mechanisms we haven't seen him yeah i mean the the risk i guess i i i know what you're saying insofar as there weren't referendums no, but you just didn't need to use. But there them. was this sort of plebiscitary kind of, I am the sort of big general who saved the country, and I am going to correct, directly connect with the people. I mean, he had these sort of Gaullist stances, where it was sort of the grand debat. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. But he didn't yeah. use because it, oh, it's, it's risky. It's, cause it's a weapon. It's an instrument. But it's mostly it's mostly risky because he is yeah. loathed. Yeah. So any referendum, <laughs> any referendum. If he takes a position on like a referendum a, on him, yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's that's, true. that's that's the risk for him. Obviously, yeah, he's true. he incarnates the sort of Gaullist guy. I mean, Gaullism in France is the American equivalent of sort of the Nixon silent majority. So the this, this very kind of right wing sort of rhetoric of sort of right wing. Uh, it's it's kind of the bread and butter of conservative democratic politics. Is mm. this idea of sort of this sort of silent conservative majority mm. that's I guess the visionary kind of conservative leader mm. taps into there's mm. these other sort of homolog homo homologous 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 sort of, homologous maybe sort of <laughs> variants in other countries um, mm. so that I guess is more of a kind of well that's what box. Macron thinks he's tapping into for sure um, I suppose the difference with de Gaulle I mean you know even Mitterrand who like slays de Gaulle uh like in his book, you know, he can't deny, you know, the whole the whole coup of the Fifth Republic. It's incredible how much it actually rested on de Gaulle's personal legitimacy. Mm. You know, like it really like no one else could have pulled it off. And of course, Macron doesn't have any of that gravitas, any of that historic sure. gravitas. And no one has had that since de Gaulle, obviously. Mm. Um, no. Well, Milosevic for the left, you know. No, Milosevic's earned our trust. It's got a lot of gravitas. Uh, but, like, you know, not for the nation, you know. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, like, again, we're talking about this in sort of slightly ambiguous terms because things could change tomorrow. Like, the next few weeks, the next week or so, we're going to see everything really concretize. We've tried to sort of give the large kind of big picture... Yeah how the cookie's going to crumble after these elections. Yeah, results. I guess next few weeks, so I guess before we sort of sign off now, Elizabeth Bourne, sort of momentarily Prime Minister, she'll probably be axed at some point. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah she's yeah, giving yeah. her, I guess, political address before part, before the National Assembly for the, I guess, the vote of confidence in the government yeah. on July 5th. Um, and up until there, I mean, Macron was now traveling and he has basically said... In his speech yesterday, it was like, I need all the political forces to think about their responsibility towards the nation. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's using that. that. Um, so, no, it's, it's, I guess, maybe to, lead, to finish off now and to go into next week. 
when we're discussing this parliamentarization of well, the Fifth Republic. It's a, history, bittersweet, yeah. a bittersweet, bittersweet. So yeah, I mean, for the trajectory of the left, it's a an incredible comeback. Quite honestly, you know, the left are back, you know, the, the 2010s, as it were, the political 2010s have ended in France with, mm. you know, a, rena- a parliamentary renaissance of the left. Mm. I think that's that's fair to mm. say. Um, I guess, yeah, so next week we're going to, or next time we record in a few days, actually. We're yeah, we'll see. these episodes sort of... Close to one another. Um, We're going to, I guess, fine-tune sort of what we said and develop a bit more of the historical. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, next episode we want to deal more with the history and less with the current affairs in the way that this episode we dealt more with the current affairs and less with the history. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean... I guess let's call it there. Yeah, let's call it there. Have a... Have a nice day. Have a nice day or or evening or... Um, Yeah, all right. Bye. Bye, take care.